says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tip Sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And this particular episode of the Tip Sheet actually comes to you from Sunday as a live instant reaction to the round one victory for the Parramatta Reels over the Gold Coast Titans. Myself and 60s, obviously the co-host of this show, were live from Jack's Bar and Grill at the Parramatta Leagues Club, having a chance to break down all the action from the NRL, NRLW with Steve Eller and Mary Kay of Ladies Who League joining us to analyse a historic doubleheader for the Parramatta Reels in which they took out victories in both the men's and women's games. We cut live to our conversation with Steve Eller, who joined us at the start of the show to talk about the Parramatta Reels' victory in the NRL, as well as regales of some of the funny stories he's had in his wonderful career. Oh, first, thanks guys for having me here, but um, yeah, I suppose it reminded me of English football when I played in England, where attack was, um, was the main... Objective and defence wasn't um, wasn't that important, so um, that's how it looked. And uh, but it was it was really enjoyable to watch. We had a, a first half hat trick to a young flanker by Sean Russell, unfortunately taken out of the game. You like what you saw from the young fly there stepping into a big spot? Yeah, he was terrific. I thought um, I was actually hoping he got four, but he, cause, uh, unfortunately got injured. But um, if he would have got got getting three uh, a hat trick on on his, his first game, it's uh, very exciting for the young fella and a uh, very good prospect. Mm-hmm. Very exciting to watch. And just with the play, um, did you think that the Eels went away from a match plan in the second half, or do you think that they um, reassessed at halftime and decided to play it a bit tighter? I think yeah, it was just the way the game went. I think the, um, the, t- the Titans certainly come to play in the second half. Uh, the first half was a um, bit of a um, free-for-all, I suppose, for both sides, but the second half was a bit, of a, a bit more tougher. Um, so I think, the, I think we dug in pretty well. Uh, Titans were, were tough opponents today, but the second half really uh, showed some, I suppose some Dower um, ability to be able to hang in there and, and get away with the points. So I was pleasing to see they got away with the points today. Yeah, I think that in the second half, they got back to a bit more fundamental football. Completion rate was about 60% at half time. Coach would have been happy. They ended the game at 77%, just shy of that 80% threshold that they like to see. Uh, do you think that's what got them back into the game, just going through the fundamentals rather than getting too side to side? Well, I think if, you, if you're dropping the ball and you're not, you're not controlling the ball, you're going to be in trouble no matter what. So I think if they control the ball more in the second half, which they did, it, it sort of it brought them back into the game. So, um, I mean, I think the coach would have been happy with their defence at halftime, which means every right to not to be happy with that. But, um, you yeah, I think the second half they, uh, they dug in a little bit deeper, which was good. Yeah, it was certainly... Uh, we were exposed with... Uh, being caught short on the edges, weren't we, where those tries were being scored? Uh, is that? Do you see that as the as the role of the inside men or the winger when we get exposed that short? I might leave that to the coach. That sounds too technical for me. <laughs> I, I suppose one of the big frustrations today was we'd score a nice try, then fail to complete a set, and let the Titans back into the contest, and that's how I ended up being. Just four points shy, uh, shy of us at half time, I believe. Or two points shy, sorry, at half time. Uh, that's one of the fundamentals of rugby league, and I suppose that would be a real teaching point for them next week heading towards the Cronulla Sharks. I think the danger periods, I mean, you've got to look at where the danger periods are in a game. The first five minutes, 
Uh, so the last five minutes before half time, the first five minutes after half time, they're the danger periods That's where a lot of teams score. Three tries. Um, I suppose the issue when it comes to when you score a try is that, is that first set of six. That's a danger period as well. So if you don't complete those first set of six and, and get good field position and kick, so you're in a, in a good position to, to defend, you're going to put yourself in trouble, and, that, and that's, that's sort of what happened. That's certainly true in the, in the modern game, that, that, that five minutes either side of the break. Was that the case when you were playing, or, or is it more of a trend in the modern game? No, it's the same across the board. It's the same now, it's the same in the old days. It's that first five, that five minutes before half-time, first five minutes after half-time is always crucial. Um, but it's the, five, it's the set of six after your score, which, which you've really got to make sure you, you get, your, uh, get your act together and, and make sure you complete your set and get a good kick in. So if you do that, you, you put yourself in a good position. But if you don't, you're going to put yourself in trouble, which you what's know, happened today. 60s and myself always try and rack our brains after a good win or loss, see who's best on field. Who caught your eye today? Who was the Eels' best? I thought Remani was the best player today. I thought he was terrific at, at dummy half. His kicking from dummy half was, was really good. His defence was good. So, um, I mean, we, we hit the ball up um, hard at a lot of times, but I think Remani's uh, service from, from uh, dummy half was, was really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're going to just focus a little bit on the team, but then we're going to have a bit of a a look at um, your opinions on things around the game in general. There's plenty of focus on the team this year and the coach and the club because it's been so long since we've won a title. Quite a premiership drought. Now, I don't remember that there was too much pressure in the media or maybe from supporters back when we were going through the late 70s into the early 80s leading up to that first title. Is that an accurate reflection, an accurate memory that I've got that the, the, there wasn't that much pressure back then? Well, if you think, I mean, for those who can remember, we lost the grand final in 77, we lost the grand final in 79. Um, so, yeah, the expectation uh, and pressure was there, but I suppose you put it in context, a lot, of the, a lot of the young guys that we had in our team back then, it's very similar to the guys today. Um, they're, they're coming through not knowing about all that. Um, so we didn't feel the pressure as much as what, what the, the media or people thought we did or, or supporters thought we did. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly hoping today these fellas don't feel that pressure as well because it's, it's not their responsibility to feel the pressure. It's their sp- responsibility to play. And, um, and when they play, they play to win. And that's what I was going to follow you up with that question is there's been a lot of media talk around the 2022 Eels. Do you think that should affect them or they should be just focusing on themselves and their own journey towards the, the postseason? Well, I suppose you, if you put it into context, as, as, if you're a player, you don't really care what the media says. You don't listen to the media. And I, I know these, these guys today don't, don't read the papers. So that's one thing that was said to us as well. Don't, don't buy papers. Don't read the papers and, and put your scraps book in the, in the cupboard and don't, and, and don't worry about them. So same as these guys today. And what about your thoughts on the brand of football that the Eels look like they're aiming to play? Is it is it something that you think it has the potential to win a premiership? Well, they can score plenty of points, that's for sure. And that's, that's the, I suppose, one of the main things you need to do when you want to win games. So, yeah, they're, they're playing good footy. They'll be able to score points. Now it's just working on the defence. I know you wrapped Sean Russell and Reid Marnie from the game today. But are there any, play, any players in the Eels team that you particularly enjoy watching, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm actually a big fan of Will Panasini because um, being a centre, I always look at what centres Parramatta's got coming through and I think he's a good one. 
Uh, good, good eye there, mate. I like that one. <laughs> Have we got any other people in here who are big Will Penasini fans? Reckon he's got a big future just like yeah, Steve yeah. does. Boys over here. Yeah, good to see. Um, what about across the NRL, Steve? What, what sort of players do you enjoy watching outside of Parramatta? Uh, I actually like the fullback from um, Titans. I like uh, young Preston Campbell's young bloke. Um, the fullback from St George, I enjoyed watching him play the other day. I think he'd he done really well. Um, and there's a lot of young, exciting kids coming up, which I, which I enjoy watching play. So, um, I mean, I'm, I don't get stuck on one player. I just like young players who can actually run the footy. So um, the better they can run the footy, the better I like them. It's uh, been a topsy-turvy start to the season. West Tigers almost knocked off the storm. Newcastle did account for the Sydney Roosters. Uh, do you see any surprises in the title race in 2022, mate? Well, I don't see the, well. I don't see any surprises, but I don't see the, the Roosters being as dominant as what they have been. I think I think they're going to struggle. Uh, I think Broncos are going to be a lot better team than, than what they were last year. Um, I suppose the one thing that I keep keep looking at is the disappointment we had last year and, and the the way that we uh, fell out of the competition last year will make us more hungry. And um, a hungry team is a dangerous team, so. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to watching our guys go around for most, most of the year. Now, we've had a few questions sent to us over the last couple of days from our listeners and our readers. So we've got a couple just to get through. Actually, here's a, the first question comes from a, a person who is in the media themselves and he's got a, quite a famous father. So it's come from Chris Warren. And he wants to know whether it was his father, Rabs, that gave you the name Zip Zip. Uh, no. <laughs> no. That, uh, uh, the nickname Zip Zip come from a fellow called Peter Flingos. Peter used to be the uh, chief uh, media person for, uh, at the time, the Daily Mirror, which was the main paper. And he wrote that in the paper and it stuck. So, um, yeah, it was Peter Flingos. Next question in. And it's an interesting one. What was your heaviest and lightest, and lightest sorry, playing weights? Uh, my lightest I played was 72 kilo. The heaviest I played was 78 kilo. So was that like uh, first year playing, last year playing, that yep. 72 was first, 78 last? I played, yeah, I played first grade when I was 18, I was 72. Yeah, 72 so kilo. if you had to kept going till you were 35, 36 years of age? Um, I don't think my body would have held up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, now... Have we got any Eric Growth fans here? Anyone that was a big fan of Eric Growth back in the day? The guru? Oh, yeah, yeah, good to see. So this next question's about Eric Growth. Was he always the quickest player in the team? I suppose Eric was the fastest thing on, on two legs. He, he could have run Olympics if he, uh, if he actually trained because he was the laziest trainer you'd ever, you'd ever see. But he could actually run Olympic times. So he was that quick. Um, we, we raced over 40 metres once. And I, I think I'd done my, it was about 4.8, 4.9 seconds over 40 metres, which is fairly quick. Yeah. But Eric yeah. was five metres in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, there was a story, you might be able to confirm whether it was true, that when Eric would go on a road run, he'd run, he'd make sure he'd find a sprinkler to run through on the way back to look like he was sweating. Well, there's two things. One, he didn't run. <laughs> he'd walk. But there's a story about Eric in, the, in a 10K run. We had a 10K run out in Brown Pritchard and... He he, we, after a K, there's a bridge you go over. So Eric decided this particular 10K run, he's going to hide under the bridge. So he hid under the bridge, and um, on the way back, he joined in with the runners on the way back. But what he didn't realise, he joined in with the front runners. 
<laughs> so being a winger is not that smart. So when he come in and he actually run a good time, he actually uh, he got asked, did you do it fair? Nick American, got the no, I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> and and just, um, just another question on that. You mentioned the 10K runs that you'd go on. It, it seems like the training these days is lots of repeated interval training, you know, to build up that um, rugby league type fatigue. Is that, is that something that was starting to creep in when, when you were playing or was it always that endurance fitness? Well, endurance was just the start of the pre-season, then the, the short, hard uh, physical stuff come up after that. So it's just a, a stage approach. Well, we got the paramaterials up in round one, Steve. We're off to the Cronulla Sharks round two. What do you reckon we're looking like for round two, mate? Well, I think we'll go all right. The Sharks played all right the other day, so um, they're a good side. So and then we tighten up our defence, we'll go okay. Yeah, I think that's the big lesson out today is tidy up the defence, get rid of those little errors in possession, and it'll go a long way towards securing victory in the coming month or so, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. I think if we can yeah, t- cut the mistakes down, get a good completion rate, so we'll be fine. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure speaking to you again. This is our second time mm-hmm. here at Paraleagues, the home of the Eels. So, um, everyone, a round of applause for Steve Eller. Thanks, guys. Excuse us, ladies and gentlemen. We're just trying to find the next star of a night. (laughs) And our next guest, I'm sure you all know, one of the uh, rising stars in NRL media, Mary Kay of Ladies Who League fame, who blogs on Ladies Who League and as well as NRL.com and across other platforms as well. Mary, nice to have you on the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad that we got the two wins today because I might have been a little bit cranky if that hadn't been the case. (laughs) Who was there for the NRLW match today? We got people here who saw the NRLW. Great first up home game for the NRLW team. And Mary, I must say, one of the moments that I thought was the greatest in the in the in the match was when the parrot chant started for the mm. first time, and it was the first time that our our girls would have heard what it meant to play in front of Parramatta supporters. Wasn't that great? I mean, they started their season up in Newcastle, so that's a long, hard trip. Then we went down to play in Wollongong in torrential rain to have the opportunity to play alongside the men today and yep. to have that wonderful support here at Combank Stadium. I saw a couple of the team members after the game and I said, could you hear us cheering? And they absolutely could. I think it was a really big occasion and I was so happy they got the win. It was a massive bounce back game from Tiana Penatani, who had a, you know, understandably had some handle issues in the rain last week. But she was enormous down that left edge this week. She sure was. Tiana is such a talented player and she just looked dangerous every single time she got her hands on the football. And I have to be honest, I really felt for a lot of our players last week because of the conditions. Mm. I mean, I've been watching rugby league for a really long time 
And I don't think I've ever seen conditions like that. Sharknado Plus. Exactly. So no surprise that there were some handling errors, but I think Tiana really redeemed herself today and showed why she's one of our premier signings. And Emily Curtin, what an inclusion she was today. Can you talk us through what you know of Emily and, and, and your thoughts on her performance? I sure can. So I've known about Emily for a couple of years because her father, Matt, actually messaged me on Twitter to do a story on Emily and her sister, Sophie. So Emily and Sophie are actually twins and they're Mai Tai champions as well. So you certainly don't want to cross them. But the thing about Emily is she's a really wonderful example of a player that has come through the pathway. So we know that for so many NRLW players, they've had a stunted pathway because women couldn't play rugby league after the age of 12. So Emily is someone that's come through Tasha Gale. She plays for the West Tigers in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership and got the chance to make her debut today. And I was so excited when she scored her try scored today. Scored the try. Field, field marshal, ran the troops really well, defended strongly. Couldn't ask much more on a debut, could you? And it's funny because we had Maddie Studden on the field. We had Abby Church on the field and Emily Curtin. I was wondering how Dean was going to fit them all in, but he managed really well. And Abby was another star for us scoring a double. Well, speaking of Abby, 60's got a tip in the preseason that she was one of the breakout stars to watch. And she had to bite her time on the bench for the first two rounds, but she got the start in the wing today. And joy, gee, she took it with both hands, didn't she? Yeah, it was um, Neil Dunkley. When um, I had a bit of a chat to him up at that training session that uh, we were able to watch, mm. and I said to him, "Tell me someone that we're going to be surprised by, someone that's just caught your attention during the preseason." And he didn't hesitate. It's so true, and I was so happy to see Abby get her opportunity today. And I think it's just so important that when we talk about our NRLW players, we just recognise how much they've got going on away from the field. So Abby is working for New South Wales Ambulance at the moment, and she's studying to be an intensive care paramedic. So she wants to be jumping out of helicopters, scaling walls. She's an incredible woman, and I think a name that people are going to remember after this NRLW season. And that's probably one of the things that's a difference with the NRLW is that we've got some women in this team that are making their mark away from football and doing amazing things away from football and they're also the pioneers taking us towards professionalism in the women's game. That's so true, Craig. I think about someone like Rakea Horn. So Rick obviously plays for Parramatta, played for Parramatta in that opening game against Newcastle. As soon as the game was finished, she jumped in her car, drove back to Sydney, got a couple of hours sleep before she started her midnight shift as a prison guard. Oh, goodness. That's what Rick does away from the field. Wow. The, the girls found themselves in a, bit of, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a lull during that second half of this game, but they dug themselves out of it clawed their way back into a commanding lead and then didn't let go. That's got to be a big confidence builder after what happened against the Dragons last week. Absolutely. And I think one of the challenges with the NRLW is that this is a new team. We forget how little time they've actually had together. This is only their third game um, and the season's almost over, unfortunately. They haven't had a lot of time together and the fact that they are able to dig themselves out of games I think is really positive. And we talk about the errors. It's sort of to be expected considering they're a completely new team. Yeah, because... That start to the second half, it was like they weren't, they weren't quite switched on because 
comparatively to the rest of the game, it was a soft try that was scored against them to start the second half. But it was almost like that flick, to, flick the switch, you know, like, oh, better get our mind back on this. And I'm really glad they did because this was a really important weekend in the NRLW because the Knights and the Roosters played each other and they were both the teams going into that game with no wins. The two teams on one win both played each other and then we saw the undefeated teams play each other. So after this week, you probably say that the Knights won't be playing finals football. Mm -hmm. The Gold Coast Titans and Roosters, depending on what happens in the next couple of weeks, will be battling it out to play finals. And hopefully Parramatta can jag another win and find themselves in that top four. Now, while we were watching the game, we were trying to come up with an NRL equivalent of Bovetia Welsh because she was the everywhere player. She just, every time she was involved in the play, something was going to happen. So first of all, talk to us, to, talk to us about Bo. And secondly, could you come up with an NRL equivalent to Bo? I love Bo Vetti Welsh so much. She is so talented. I remember in the Parramatta Reels first NRLW game, I got a text from a friend and she said, I'm sorry, Clint Gutherson is now my second favourite <laughs> Parramatta Reels fullback. The thing about Bo is that she gets so involved, she's got speed to boot, and she almost looked like she was just going to do it herself this afternoon. I can't think of an NRL equivalent. Uh, the, the play that always came to mind watching her was Darren Lockyer. She's so smooth, never looks like she's trying, but she's always getting like running away from the defenders. She's a very special player. We are so lucky to have her. Now, talking about experienced players in the team, Maddie Studden's second half was phenomenal. She had a little bit of everything. She, she scored a try in the first half, but she had an incredible no-look pass to set up a try uh, that sealed the game. I don't know where she put that one from. I'm going to be really honest about Maddie. So I've known her for a long time, several years, and there's no player that I actually want to do better in the NRLW than Maddie because last year in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership, she was having a really dominant season. She played State of Origin and was disappointing. She will tell you herself that she was disappointing. So I really wanted to see her succeed this year. She certainly had some challenges off the field as well. So to see her not only ice that field goal in that first game, but to continue to back it up week after week, I think is really positive. And, and I thought that just the way that she lifted in that second half, because things didn't go to plan with an, in a number of plays in the first half around her. So the fact that she backed herself, and I know that that's the message that's in this team, back yourself. So as one of the senior players, she backed herself and it, and it, and it turned, the match turned for her. And it absolutely has to be those senior players that are leading by example because not only are they senior, but they've got rugby league games under their belt. We have so many young women in this team, so many women that are making their debuts. So it needs to be the likes of Maddie Studd and Samima Taufa, Bovetti Welsh that are leading by example. And I think they continue to do so. Now, I just wanted to speak about the opposition because there are a couple of players in that team that I thought were outstanding today. So, the uh, Titans half, uh, her, she's got a hyphenated surname, and I might get this right, Braley Nati. That's correct. I thought she, was cause, she caused problems all day with a ball play. Switch of plays. And, I mean, uh, Politi, the, the fullback, she is a class player. Uh, she saved at least two, maybe three tries 
on her own today. One, one of them, where it was, she was like a metre out from the line and uh, brought down right, wasn't it? Was it right that she brought down? Yes. Yeah, uh, spectacular tackle. So give us your thoughts on the opposition today. The Titans have been interesting because they are obviously a new team as well and are taking a little bit of time to gel. But I think the players you've called out are spot on. So there are actually two Braley Nardis in that team because they're like, a married uh, half, couple. Half back in number nine. Correct. Yep. That's exactly right. The thing about Ivania Polite is that she's actually a professional athlete in that she plays rugby sevens for Australia. And for anyone that watched the game between the Dragons and the Broncos, there was another sevens player in that team, Emma Tonegato. Tonegato, yep. Tonegato and Polite have been dominant. And I think we, we can put it down to the fact that they're full-time professional athletes and have the time to focus on their craft. So that's something for us as NRLW fans to look forward to as we move towards professionalisation. That's the sort of skill we'll see. But Polite was incredible. I also really enjoyed the work of Destiny Brill. Can we talk about Steph Hancock, who scored a try? It was actually her 40th birthday this week. Yeah. She turned 40 and is still playing rugby league at an elite level. And Karina Brown, who continues to impress, two weeks ago at Newcastle, not only did she play for the Titans, but then she performed in the halftime show. So just women getting it done everywhere. <laughs> it's a, a testament to the quality of the competition that I don't think there's been, even considering the typhoon conditions last week, there hasn't been a bad game in the NRLW this year. And I think that's so important because the NRL has been criticised for taking it slow. We're still a competition with only six teams. Tasha Gale always says that it's not about width, it's about depth. And I know in some other sporting competitions there is criticism of the type of talent and the, the type of games we're seeing. Every game in the NRLW has been entertaining and I think the Dragons today show that the Broncos can be beaten. Yeah, that was a terrific game as well. Got to yeah. see most of that from my seats. Our game actually featured one of the more bizarre circumstances or scenarios you'll ever see. A phantom siren goes off eight minutes shy of half-time. The Titans take the tap and kick into touch, thinking that it's going to send them to oranges with the, the lead. But the referee says, hang on. Clock says eight minutes left. You kick that on the full play, the ball, Parramatta. We go on to get a penalty goal and take the two to level the scores. What do you make of that incident? Should common sense have prevailed and the Titans get to take the and, tap or kick again? And... And if there's anyone here who saw that at half, near half-time in the NRLW today, that strange, that strange situation where the siren went off early and the Titans took a tap, kicked it into touch on the full, thinking they were going to end the half. And, <laughs> oh, we, were, we were happy with it, but if, it was, if that was to happen in the NRL... Like, that'd be all over the front, all over the back pages of the paper as just a major, major stuffer. I mean, is it in the referee's discretion to say, look, we can't play that? Like, let's do a, 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 a do-over? Craig, I'd be really interested to do a little bit more reading on this incident because I was obviously watching from the stand, so didn't have the benefit of commentary. First of all, I think the Gold Coast Titans were really hard done by. My understanding is that Parramatta were happy for it to be played again because it was just so ridiculous. The siren went off and I thought, gee, that last 10 minutes went really yeah, quickly. Quick. But I'm not sure what the rules actually state in terms of the referee. I even heard someone around me saying that the referee told them that it wasn't half time yet, but 
without actually going back and seeing it, okay. I'm really not sure what happened so there. If they, if they were informed, then I suppose that puts the onus on them. But still strange. But it, it they clearly a, a didn't really of, know. A bitter pill to swallow. I felt for them. Yeah, they did it twice, didn't they? Didn't they kick out and then they did it again? And I, then I can't recall. I'll have to but, go back and watch that replay, yeah. I think. <laughs> because there was a lot of confusion around, around it and what they were going to do. And it just seemed... Well, I, I, when I heard the siren, I thought it was half-time. I didn't even look at the clock. So I imagine they've done the same. Um, well, you play to the whistle, right? And you play to the referee. If you hear the buzzer, you hear the buzzer. Yeah. Now, we're into round three. You might be able to tell me this off the top of your head. And sorry if I put you on the spot if you can't. How many of our uh, NRLW squad have now had a run? Oh, that's a really good question. And you've definitely put me on the spot. Because I'm thinking it must be all bar about I would say three, it's most of them. I would say 90% of them have had an opportunity. Because... Uh, 20. 20, we're being told. Okay, so there's still, there's still a few players that ha- haven't had a run. Is there anyone at the moment that um, you're thinking might get a run with an injury that you, you know, you're likely looking forward to seeing? Because um, we did lose um, Amina Hanisi's younger sister, didn't we, to yes, injury? Yes, so. we did. We did. We actually, I think we lost. Yeah, that's correct. To be honest, Emily Curtin was actually the one that I was really looking forward yep. to. As I mentioned before, I followed her story for a really long time. So to see her get an opportunity was a thrill. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Craig, have you got anyone on your list? Well, see, my one, of course, um, I, I'd been hearing great things as well about Abby and uh, particularly her pace. So there's a few followers that know her from the country and they just said, look, wait till she gets a crack and just see what she can do. And She showed what she can do, right? (laughs) She showed Sean Russell what to do, didn't she? She certainly laid the tempo for Sean there. (laughs) Next week brings the Roosters. So talking Baxter, Sergis, Kelly, obviously some big names there. They haven't had the hottest start, though. They've been not struggling, but they've met some strong teams. Uh, But we're going to Newcastle to play them in an away game that's technically, I think it might be a home game, I suppose, build there, but it's not really a home game. Uh, what do you make of that matchup for us? It's going to be tough, isn't it? So the interesting thing about the Roosters is for the first two rounds, they were without Corbin Baxter due to COVID. She came back this week and had an instant impact. Mm-hmm. We just saw how much better the Roosters looked. I think the key to beating the Roosters is containing Sergis, Kelly and obviously Corbin Baxter. It'll be interesting to see if Jess Sergis plays. She was subject to a pretty horrible tackle yesterday. She kept playing, but um, we'll see it what happens. Nasty, didn't it her? really it was... did. It was horrible looking. Her, her leg was at right angles the wrong way at right angles. But I think what we've got to be careful of is that the Roosters know that it's a must-win game for them, basically. Yeah. So there's no time to take it lightly. There's no time to switch off. And fingers crossed we can come away from Newcastle with a win because... The week after we face the reigning premiers yeah. in the Brisbane Broncos, and that game is going to be tough. The, the championship benchmark, they're going to Correct. really test our girls. Yeah, they certainly kept some amazing players, even even mm-hmm. even with the players being available to you know to contract elsewhere. They 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 got the cream. They got we, the cream. We picked Steve Ellersbrain about the NRL game today. Eels prevailing 32-28. Just quickly, what were your main takeaways in a game that was probably a lot closer than we were all expecting 
come full time. I don't watch men's footy. No, I'm joking. Um, all right, what to say, what to say, what to say. We've seen some really big teams lose their opening game. We walk away with the two points, which I think is a positive. We managed to score 32 points. We won't talk about the 28 that were conceded. I was really impressed with Sean Russell. I hope that his injury isn't too serious. And I thought that Regan Campbell-Gillard had an epic game. Just watching him to continue to motor and go forward. That second stint was tremendous. And I'm just curious. I just wonder what the injury to Sean Russell did to us because it obviously changed where players were positioned on the field. And we looked a little bit disjointed after that. Yeah, it seemed to impact the rhythm, didn't it? Like, it just, it just wasn't quite the same. Um, but, as you said, it's, there were teams that went down this weekend that weren't expected to. Maybe it's not too dissimilar. I know the game played out a different way. But we squeaked home against the Broncos in the first round last year, albeit it was a horrid first half and then... <laughs> on fire second half um, not quite the same type of game today but not too dissimilar in the result and Craig I think the thing is like I'm obviously very invested in the NRLW in the NRLW there is no opportunity to drop a game absolutely not today was must win for the Parramatta Eels women the men fortunately have a little bit more time to find their feet so we've got the two points let's look ahead to the Sharks next week It's plenty of improvement but I'd rather be improving now, right, than right at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That actually raises one of the points I'm looking forward to with the NRLW eventually is that move to at least a double round robin system where you can afford to drop a game, but even so you can also press your advantage across the course of a season better. Exactly. And I think about the Knights, who I said are probably unlikely to play finals mm-hmm. footy. I feel for them. I mean, they lost to us by the skin of their teeth in the first week. Mm -hmm. They lost to the Broncos second, and we're in it yesterday with the Roosters. The Roosters did end up running away with it. But their season's basically over now, you know, which is just such a shame considering how much these women love playing footy and how much they've put on the line to compete. Well, Mary, it's been a pleasure speaking with you here again. Mm -hmm. You're our NRLW expert. You're our our ears and eyes around the team. So thank you for helping us with your expertise and uh, we'll look forward to you speaking on the tip sheet again. Thank you, I look forward to it. And can I just say to the two of you, thank you so much for the work that you do. I said this to 60s last year, if Parramatta have a bad loss, yours is the only podcast I can listen to because I feel like I'm coming home and I feel like I'm listening to people that understand me. So. Thank you to the two of you for the tip sheet and for all the work you do for our club. It's greatly appreciated. Always glad to be part of that grief process. (laughs) You're a key part of mine, let me tell you. (laughs) Thank you, Mary. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. All righty, let's start wrapping things up. We'll quickly run through the game. 60s, you and me, as we usually do on the tip sheet. Parramatta Eels, 32, defeating the Gold Coast Titans, 28. Far closer than any of us would have cared to admit coming into this game, but the Titans showing plenty of pluck while Parramatta, a bit stuttery there. But for the Eels, it was a Sean Russell hat-trick with Sean Lane and Wanga Blake also chiming in. 
Mitchell Moses going three from five on the try conversions, adding three important penalty goals, being the difference ultimately between the two teams. For the Titans, Philip Sammy getting a double, Brian Kelly getting a double, and Aaron Clark also crossing. Toby Sexton four from five from the try conversions. In terms of possession, the Parramatta Reels ended up coming ahead 58 to 42%, which was really in that second half when they had three or four line dropouts in a row, really starting to take control of the game, if not the scoreboard. Got that completion rate up to 77%, which is actually impressive because it was down at 60% deep into that first half. The goal I'm actually to- stunned that it ended up at a 77% yeah. completion rate. And as you say, that second half, and I haven't seen stats on the second half, the second half must have been up in the 90s. To drag that 60% rate right up there. Yeah. Gold Coast Titans, on the other hand, down at 72%, which was really their benchmark for that entire game, whereas we spiked in the second half. Eels ahead on runs, run metres, post-contact metres. There were one line break down the Titans, 4-5, to five, and more tackle breaks down, 33-29. to 29. So David Feeder and a couple other Titans causing a few issues there. Average play the ball speed between the two teams, bang on at 3.71 seconds. Pretty even in the ruck, so that's probably a fair reflection. Yeah. So, for me, my main takes from the, the match was the errors. So, we got some the error rates Yeah, so if we, if we jump down to the uh, disciplinary stuff, uh, Eels conceded eight errors to the Titans' nine. So, that would have been late in the piece because the Titans were, I think, 100% completion rate into the second half. Titans end up conceding seven penalties to Parramatta's one as ruck discipline slipped. Uh, but Parramatta did concede more ruck infringements than the Titans, which is probably what plays into your mind there as well. Now, I thought this match was a benchmark for the captain's challenge for Parramatta. Well, I, I'm used to seeing it may be one successful captain's challenge, but mostly unsuccessful in a match. How many captain's challenges were we successful with? Was it three? It was, a, it was at least three. Mitchell Moses had the ruck interference one overturned. Yep. Uh, big uh, Makatoa had his drop turned into a strip. Yep. And was there a third third instance that I'm missing? Ray Stone? Oh, Ray Stone, that's right. He played well, we, the ball. They got the penalty yeah. to go yeah. in front. So yeah, yeah. Three, three from three, which might just be an NRL record, I reckon. And I think, I think maybe I'm boosting it up because I'm thinking of the Titans' unsuccessful challenge. So I'm counting that as another victory. So I'm, <laughs> I'm counting four victories in the uh, captain's challenges there. Three, three by us and one unsuccessful by them. But that, I think, is going to be one, the bench. I, I doubt that we're going to ever get better than that. <laughs> three from three. That's uh, lock it up, put it away, put it in an art exhibition because it doesn't get much better than that. Where the Eels will need to be better, though, is those sets after points. We spoke about it with Steve Eller. Uh, there was at least three times where we turned the ball over after points. Titans, I think, capitalised on two of them. Uh, it's just not good enough for a team with title aspirations. Yeah, errors, um, numbering up defensively. It was there was so many ugly moments in that first half. To be honest, I was fearful about coming over here and doing a podcast after a, a horrendous loss. Mm. To be honest, because I was thinking we're going to be over here and we're going to be analysing just how bad things went in the second half fortunately as I said I'm not sure whether we were whether it was by design or just the way that the match played out as Steve suggested that second half but it was a lot more dour Uh, we talked about the completion rates in the second half being well up on what they were in the first half and it seemed to me that um, well I said to you during the second half 
a lot of crash plays, a lot of forward plays that's happening. I don't know that we challenged the line too much in the second half, but we pressured the line, and maybe that's the difference. And not, that, that's where not those a challenge, line, but line a pressure. dropouts came as well by applying that constant pressure, made the Titans for, forced to do more tackles, also forced to lose possession. So that's probably where the game was won in that close, those close encounters there. But yeah, certainly a lot of room to improve. And like you alluded to earlier, the loss of Sean Russell maybe threw the game plan out. We had to have Dylan Brown shift out to the centres, Wonga Blake onto the wing, Jake Arf into the halves. And that left edge, which was just scorching the Titans, sort of fizzled out a bit more. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of those things where the Eels have prepared for it via the bench selection. Because with selecting Jake Arthur on the bench, they're always looking at a, a little bit of a, a reshuffle in the back line. And in the trial, that was the way that it, that it was played out, the way that happened with Sean Russell being replaced in the first half today. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily the way that they're going to go in the future. And given the form of Tom Opachik yesterday, where he scored three tries... Four tries. Four tries, sorry. Four tries in the... Um, in the New South Wales Cup match. Against a pretty highly touted St. George outfit. Yeah, so he's got to be putting the pressure on for maybe a recall into the into the centre position because and that might then still force Wonga Blake out to the uh, out to the wing. Now I loved Wonga Blake's preseason. I thought he was in outstanding form during the preseason. One of the best trainers in the squad. Looked a million dollars. They looked great in the opposed sessions with him out at centre. Um, and, and looked good with Hayes Dunster outside of him. And then we see that that he and Sean Russell didn't skip a beat in their combinations. So now we've lost another winger. So the question is, do you shift Wonga Blake or do you leave him at centre and try to find someone to play wing? And that, that's a bit of a roughie at the moment because you've got a very raw Solomon in Iduki. You just acquired Zach Sini. You know, he's not exactly familiar with the systems that we have in place here. Maybe Wanga to the wing is the best reshuffle you can do. It seems like it's, it's the likely way that it's going to go because we're just going through wingers. Um, yeah, and it's, it's at an alarming click at the moment. It, it feels like what happened last year with the dummy halves yeah. where we, we had none of the one, three one dummy halves. just gets cursed. Yeah, yeah, so it seems like, well... Dummy half was cursed last year, and it looks like the uh, wings cursed this year. So, so Sean, Sean Russell, 36 weeks, I think, is the initial prognosis on that injury. But there are reinforcements coming back next week. Murata Niakore returns from a 2021 suspension. Nathan Brown will be in the mix after a pretty solid showing in reserve grade. How do you figure the round two team looks like in general? Do you think BA will be tempted to play Murata at centre? It worked last year, didn't it? But do you think he'll do it? With Tom Opacic scoring four tries, it's kind of hard to ignore that. Uh, and I think you might want to boost up or shore up that forward pack after such a physical encounter against the Gold Coast Titans. Yeah. So I think maybe Tom to centres, Wunga to wing, and then you bring Murata onto the bench for Jake, Raystone, whoever, whatever that fit is there on the bench. Is it too early for Samuel Luizio? He had another... I mean, I was very impressed with his game against the Dragons. Defensively, very robust. Carried the ball strongly. Knew he scored once or twice. The only thing is, more of a specialist centre. But once again, if you're going to move Wonga Blake out to the wing, also an option. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I'm wondering, because he, he has played a little bit on the wing. He could 
pretty much cover all positions. Yeah. So um, it could be an option that, that he does look at him because they view Samuel as a first-grade player. Yes, so, exactly. They do view him as a long-term NRL player, injuries pending. But, yeah, if, if that's the case, if you think he is your guy, absolutely throw him onto the wing. And I think uh, we're going to wrap that up there with the Eels prevailing 32-28 to 28 over the Gold Coast Titans, mate. One last question. Steve Ellis said it was Reid Marnie. Mary Kay said it was Big Reg. Who was your player of the match today? You know, you can't go past the big man in a game of rugby league. So as a big bloke myself, I'm going to go for Reg. Yeah, throw, throw another vote for Reg for me as well. That second stint helped turn the tide for the Eels. Big man was outstanding on both sides of the ball. And you can see why the Eels wanted to re-up him for a long time. Him and Junior Polo make the, big, the biggest and probably best one-two punch in the front row of the competition. And I think that's pretty safe to say he was our unanimous uh, or near unanimous man of the match today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us here today. Uh, we're going to be handling the after-much fun functions at Parramatta Leagues Club during this season. Hopefully it's with a win every week, every home game. Makes it easier for us. Thank you for coming along. I uh, hope you enjoyed your feed and your, and your uh, beverages. And um, we'll uh, hopefully have you listening along to the podcast through the week. That's it. If you want to catch all your rugby coverage for the Parramatta Reels, drop by the Cumberland Throw. That's www.thecumberlandthrow.com. Thanks for stopping by and listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you next home game.